Please listen carefully. The fascinating thing I learned, this, and this is from a Christina McGrath. Christina McGrath sent this to me. Did you know that you can live on Disney property, like Disney resort property, and Disney architects will build you a house to live on the property? So you'll be four miles away from Disneyland while living $2.5 million house. Is that insane? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. My name is Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. And this week, we are talking about our favorite competition book movie TV shows. Uh, so I think we're going to have a wide range of things. I, I think, think so. I have a documentary. What do you guys have? I am honestly still waffling between a book and a movie. And I'm going to wait to see what you guys pick to see if I can round out the options as much as possible. I have a TV show. All right. So we got it all covered. And I guess I'll just go for it because I, I assume anyone listening knows what a competition is. <laughs> I, can you imagine? Could be a reality TV competition like yeah. Great British we, Bake Off. Could be a documentary about like a football star. We discussed Dude. Hunger Games last time. It could be Hunger Games. Yes. It could be Hunger Games. Uh, so I'm going to kick it off then. Go ahead. Uh, this will come as a shock to no one. But I pick Cheer, the documentary on Netflix that came out January 2020. It's shocked to no one. I love cheerleading. I love sports. I love cheerleading movies. I love now, now, specifically after watching this documentary, I watch a lot of Instagram videos about uh, cheerleading routines. So I'm basically a full-rounded cheer mom. It's from the same people who made the documentary Last Chance You, which is about football. And then from what I read, they kept seeing the cheerleaders at these games and they're like, what like what are you guys doing like routines you're doing and like oh like this isn't the main stuff like we have our own cheer competitions and that's why they decided to start filming them and it's about the cheerleading team Navarro which is in Corsicana Texas and it follows like five main players on the team I think it's like a 40 person team do you guys remember how many people made Matt 12 and- so like out of a 40 40 person team there's like maybe 12 people that yeah. be on the mat in the final competition in Daytona, Florida. And then this is the documentary leads up to them picking the people on the mat. And then do they win? Do they lose? No spoilers. But every single cheerleader that they focused on is a star in their own right. You have Jerry, you have Ladarius, you have Ugh. Lexi, you have who's the one? Morgan. Oh, and then you have oh. Gabby Butler, who's like a celeb out of all of them oh my god gabby butler's swim line (laughs) gabby butler's parents are incredible i was about to say her family life is that was the thing watching this in particular like after like two episodes you become so invested in these people like i loved watching cheer but then like i got so angry at the people in their peripheral like well, I it's can't clear that Gabby's parents. parents want her to be a celebrity. And like it's I, clear that they don't love her. They're shooting their shot because they know this is her time to shine. Because the sad thing about cheerleading is you only have till you're like maybe 22. Yeah, they're also shooting it. their shot because this is the only time she has for them to make money off of her. That's true. Well, I they don't are, know. I don't know. She if I was her parents, they should be transitioning her into a YouTube career, which I think is what they're doing, but they haven't done it yet because she's still cheerleading. I mean like, even, like, the way her sister would talk to her would be, like, could you just do this one oh, thing yeah. where you take this photo? Her, and I'm, like, this girl yeah. works out, like, constantly. She's, she's busy. 
her whole family is making money off of her. Not to turn this into the Gabby Butler hour, but like, I think we could have a conversation about this because it was so obvious what was going on in the show. Her dad's job is to be her manager. Her mom's job is to be also her manager. I think her sister's her manager. Job, yeah. Her sister's job is to run a, is to run her swimwear line that is all about her name. And yeah, I will never forget. They're sitting around. They're like home in California talking Florida. about the line. And they need, oh, Florida. And they need, um, they need her to take pictures in the bathing suit. And Gabby Butler is like, I'm really busy and I'm really fucking tired because I'm like 22 and you guys have been running me into the ground since I was 13. And her sister literally, you're right, Nat, she says, can you just do this one thing for me? And I'm like, I would fucking punch you in the face. Like, um, why don't I, how, do you mean that everything that I do that solely benefits you? It's true. Oh. Her parents don't love her. She calls them so many times in like desperate cries for help of like, I just want to take some time off. Like I want to do something fun. I want to sleep. I want to do anything. And they're always like, "Mm, but how about instead you get on a plane again? Well, they are like the ultimate helicopter parents. Is that what it's called? Like I think it's every move stage parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stage parents. Yeah. But okay. So we're just talking about Gabby. But every single person you have, Jerry, you have Morgan. You learn their backstories and you fall in love with them. So then by the end of this, like it's only six episodes, you're rooting for these fucking people. I had to stop and pause the final competition and take a walk because I was too nervous that they weren't (laughs) going to win because. The most dramatic thing happens. I'm not going to yeah. expose it for yeah. anyone. I'm like, when that happened, the producers probably cried with relief because they're like, we just made the best television ever. Also, <laughs> on top of that, the last episode during the competition at Daytona, the producers aren't allowed to record with their exactly. own camera. Yes. So the whole time you're watching on everybody else's cameras and you're like, what the hell? On their like iPhones, which is so fascinating to me. And that part I really liked too, where they were like exploring the fact that like the like, the cheer industry behind cheerleading is like vile yeah. and like really corrupt and like they weren't even allowed to go in and record definitely because the cheer ones were like we're not allowing you to show us in a bad light you're not allowed to record i mean it has everything you need you, you i cried during these episodes because some people's stories are so tragic i don't know why i'm laughing but it's so sad <laughs> the coach is really interesting the town is really interesting it flips to what happens after because again like i was saying they only have yeah. two three years of university sports and then that's it there's no olympic team there's no and there's nothing for them to do after this unless they decide to be like a professional cheerleader but that's not the same thing at all in case you're yeah. wondering it's different. That one thing I, that's what i thought was interesting one because they were talking about how like professional cheerleading is really just dancing because i yeah. or is more similar to dancing because we all know what cheerleaders for the nfl people are the like audience is really expecting which is so frustrating because like they're such great athletes like it was so impressive to watch them do these things and like so often they're doing things that you just want to tell them like just it's not worth it don't do it you're gonna die like stop putting your life at risk for something that like it's just gonna end immediately and the fact that literally all of them were like no there's no there's no career i love this i am a cheerleader that's it yeah. And there's like one episode where you just they all have injuries and like it's continuously one after the other and you're like what the fuck is that happening? I think like the craziest part was that one episode with Morgan where she's like yeah if somebody catches me wrong I could lose the use of my legs because I'd be yeah. paralyzed and I was like cool 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 
And there's that element that I think for me, I have this issue with all sports things in general. Like I also recognize I'm not necessarily a fan of most sports. So maybe I don't like get it completely, but that element of like, I'm injured and I should not, I should like the doctor is saying, stop Mm. doing sports for like a few months, but I like power through anyway. And it's always seen as very like heroic. Like, no, they're so passionate. They're willing to risk their whole body for the rest of their lives for it. And I'm like, it's not worth it. Like, don't, it's not heroic. It's stupid. Stop. Like, do not risk that you'll be paralyzed for your whole life. I mean, but I guess for college, it's kind of different because like you're probably on a scholarship. The scholarship is because you're on this team and if you're not on this team any longer then do you get to keep your scholarship like they i wish they i learned more about that that'd be true i mean i would assume if you got injured while playing the sport maybe maybe for the people that got injured doing the like side competitions maybe that's it but if you got injured like while practicing i feel like they'd have i i would assume they'd have to keep your scholarship i don't know i don't trust any college in the states (laughs) or nothing you're right you're right it's very true that that could be a thing the one thing i will say about cheer that i still cannot get over even though a lot of the like i I love the stupid gaudy outfits and like the ridiculous makeup like a lot of it's not to my taste but girl don't even like you love it either but it's a show it's a show like you're putting on a show obviously you're gonna be decked out in diamonds like you can't be called gaudy if it's part of the aesthetic it absolutely can be the aesthetic can be gaudy and that's fine like the aesthetic can be tackiness and like it works for the most part it works like it's a little bit ridiculous with like how small everything is but like for the most part i'm super down for all of it i love it the one thing i could not allow the one thing i could not get over like they were putting on their cheerleading outfits they were doing their insane makeup they were making their hair big and i was like this is such a look like i'm here for it it's so insane i love it but then they take these giant fucking hair bows and they plop it directly on top of their heads facing outwards, like near the bang line, okay, and it's right in the center, and like the two little ribbons hang down just slightly on their forehead like bangs, and the bows just sit there, and it is like something you would put on a baby. It is an, it is a hair bow for a baby sized for like a, a giant redwood tree, and they put them on like 21-year-old girls, and I immediately fucking lost my mind. I could not watch it. They looked like giant babies like that was all i could get over when you included the hair bow everything besides the hair bow i'm here for but that fucking bow every time i was like how is that just not even a safety hazard how does the bow not fall off while you're doing this i'm trying to think of every cheerleader has to wear a bow but i'm not positive they do do? there was a moment where monica was like where's your bow or something like that like no here's the thing i think it's like you don't have to if it's not part of the cheerleading uniform that was decided for your team yeah no i meant for her team i don't mean for like the rest but i do know so one of my friends used to be on a cheerleading team and i do know somebody that used to do cheerleading for the nfl hair bows are tend to be a big part of it and like i get it because of the south but like can we acknowledge it's horrifying like you have these like very adult grown looking women doing amazing feats of athleticism and you put on the most childish looking fucking hair accessory you could find in your life and then i could almost live if it was like further fucking back like if it looked like it served a purpose like to hold the hair tie or whatever like as part of a ponytail but no they stick it right here it must right be in front for the, of the stunts face. so you can see their head because like oh no no it's not no it's, purpose. it's purely aesthetic and like she talks about <laughs> that all the time about how 
you know, one of the most problematic things she said, but like, I understand where it's coming from, is that the cheerleaders need to look a certain way. Oh, yeah. They're in the South and people expect them to look a certain way. And like, she keeps saying that a lot. But and, like, specifically you know about Morgan. Yeah, when she's you just like, like she that she's pretty. Yeah. Even though Morgan at the beginning is so, so like a fairly weak cheerleader, like she's very like passionate and she practices a ton. But the way that they present her is that she's one of the weakest of them, but her look is so perfect that she keeps getting pushed up to things. Yeah. And like one thing that I also, again, I, I really loved cheer. I did. But one thing that was, I found kind of wild is that like, aside from one Asian girl, all of her girls are super white, but then like the majority of the dudes are black. Yeah. And but there's also, just something about the way that she talks about them. <laughs> like, she, she does. The other school, what was it, Trinity or whatever? Most They're, of her cheerleaders were black. Yeah. Oh, one thing I think is super interesting about cheer that they don't really talk about in the show that I found out afterwards. So when you watch the final competition, there are like 20 teams competing, but each team is competing in its own division. And there are actually only two schools mm-hmm. competing for cheer. It's Trinity and it's Navarro. So you're like, oh, so no wonder you guys have a rivalry. You're the only two. But then I found out afterwards. There used to be like seven or eight schools in the division. Some of them were universities, but because every single fucking year, Navarro or Navarro, Navarro, sorry, or Trinity would beat them, um, all the other schools like either just stopped having cheerleading teams entirely or moved themselves into different competitions. So like the only reason that those are the only two teams left competing is because they were both so insanely good at it that they drove away all of the competition. I like that. And I think that should have been highlighted because there was a moment where I realized they were the only two teams competing. I think they thought that would be a downside because they're like, only two. Like, of course. And I want, like, the next season to be about Trinity instead. Like, they feel like the Cloverdale of, like... (laughs) And when they were talking, when they introduced the... And they did a little, uh, like, episode with the coach of... The new coach of the Trinity team. He also seemed very, very interesting. Like, I would easily watch a show about him. Um, but I'm going to give this show 10 Lexi monotone monologues <laughs> out of 10 Monica Aldama glow ups. Because if you look at her, this is just going to be a fun fact. If you look at her in 2013 compared to now, it's incredible. The transformation she went through on a personal level, she looks like a Texas soccer mom and now she looks like a cool businesswoman i like how they that did Netflix like money related to that they did her like workout routine and i was like jesus christ <laughs> she's got to be like those athletes she's got a business degree didn't you hear they said that 10 times <laughs> <laughs> i have a business Her degree, episode. So i don't have to be doing this uh that's it for okay. me okay um my pick is a tv show as i said earlier um i of course i thought i was going to be talking about one of the reality shows I've recently watched, like The Circle or something like that, but I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> I'm gonna go against that. I'm gonna talk about RuPaul's Drag Race UK edition specifically. So I started re-watching RuPaul's Drag Race, the American version, which is what the UK one is based on, like a few months ago, maybe a year ago. And I had to stop like halfway through because even though I was rewatching slash trying to catch up to it, the show was very repetitive as most American competition shows are where like 
they're doing the same thing over and over again. Everybody's like very, very competitive in like this like serious way. And it's great. The queens are amazing. I love them all. Well, not all of them, but I love some of them. <laughs> but the UK one was so different because even though they're all competing, they're all just very friendly. They're all hilarious. They're all not like serious singers, serious performers. They're just like comedians and drag, basically. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with RuPaul's Drag Race, the American version, it's it follows the same format basically every single episode. It's there's always like a mini competition in there. There's um, at least one fashion show where the queens are going by a theme. There are two runway walks. I know this. <laughs> I can't remember the like the full situation, but there's many competitions and they'll have like guest judges in, guest coaches in and that sort of thing. Um, in the UK version, it's the exact same format and it's still RuPaul hosting um, and Michelle Visage, who's in the American one as well, is also in the British one but the guest judges are all from the UK generally. Um, so they'll have like Graham Norton, who I'm sure everybody knows from his mm -hmm. like famous celebrity interviews. YouTube, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> always hitting up that YouTube. Um, they had like Andrew Garfield in one episode and he was Why? quite delightful. Why was he on? <laughs> he was on it and he was like, I'm in love. And I was just like, Andrew Garfield, what is happening right now? <laughs> He hasn't been in anything in a really long time. It was just really funny. He's been on the stage. Thank you very much. Oh, pardon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. He was on, wasn't he in, okay, never mind. It's so, a distraction. The difference between the American drag show race and the UK one is that we're all a bunch of queens that just make jokes all the time versus like the American one is like <laughs> super serious. She's just like, it's just nice. It's just nice that we're all very friendly. Even when like, there's like specifically, I'm not gonna like spoil anything. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, it's been a while. Please catch up because <laughs> the second season is going to be out probably early next year. There's like an element even like when they're competing for like their little outfits for like the mini fashion shows. Like one of them, I remember one of them had like a really shitty outfit. <laughs> I think she was um, dressing up as Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> and the other queen was just like, uh your outfit is terrible. It's trash. <laughs> She's just like, and like, and on top of that, that other queen was also doing Margaret Thatcher. And she just like, my Margaret Thatcher is definitely going to win over your Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> and then she just like, but I don't want to do the same thing. So I'll give you my Margaret Thatcher outfit so that you Aww. don't look like trash. Yeah. And then she did another one. And I was just like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. This is so hard. It's almost like watching Bake Off. So I was going to say. Yeah, it's like watching Bake Off. It's very, like, cuddly, warm, friendly. They'll definitely have the most hilarious, like, jokes and jabs at each other, but you know that they're all just having fun versus with the American one when they're competing. You're like, I'm not sure if they actually hate each other or not. <laughs> I would say probably yes. Yeah, Always is yes. It seems, like, a lot darker in the competition versus the UK one. I'm like, oh, everybody just loves each other. They do their final run show, runway show. They'll go back in to take drinks and stuff like that while the judges make their decision, and they'll untuck and stuff like that. And during that talk, that's when you definitely see, like, the claws come out, but also people will say things like one of them will be like oh my god I just feel really shitty today I don't think I did well and the other one would be like I don't want to hear that from you I want to see you believe in yourself and I'm like oh my god is this the pep talk I need 
sure is. <laughs> this is like, like, imagine being so good with your competition that you can talk to them like that. It's just, anyway, the UK show, I find it leagues better than the American version, which is why I'm very happy that there's a second season coming. I don't know. Actually, I said early next year, but I don't know if that's true. I don't even think they've filmed it yet. So, <laughs> Did you know there was going to be a Canadian one? Oh, I did not know that. But it's RuPaul's not the host. It's like a Canadian host. How so dare. I, I'm wondering what the dynamic of that kind of show will be. You know, oddly, think- there have been a lot of Canadian queens compe- competing in the UK and yeah. the oh, interesting. versions. So they might come back in at some point. Yeah. I'm interested in that one because I often think of like, I prefer British reality television for the every single reason you were just stating. I don't like it when it feels like everybody's losing their mind. And at a certain point, I'm like, the money that you're going to win is not that much. You actually need to calm down, which is why I love when they win nothing. Yeah, I love when they win nothing. I'm like, oh, yes, please compete for a cake stand that's think, exactly what I want you I to I think the for. winner of UK got their own television show and that was it. Or something I, like that. Like, I mean, that's that's pretty significant, it's, but it's still for sure. But, but it's it was still just... like, calm, like calm down. Like every time I watch like North American reality television, I want to tell them to calm down. So what I think will be interesting is one of the reasons why I bet the UK one was also really good is that it's such a much smaller, tighter knit drag community because physically they're all much closer to each other. Yeah. Whereas like I do think in America, like an American one is going to be really spread out because yeah, a lot of people will be in New York or LA. But you can have drag places all over, and some yeah. people are going to be even all over. In the American one, you know that a lot of them don't know each other. But in the UK yeah. one, at least in this first season, they They'd all knew each other. They're yeah. like, "Oh, I've seen what you wear normally, and this is yeah. just the same thing." So that I'm would actually be super excited for a Canadian version of that because I do think that Canada still has the North American sensibility of being pretty intense about competition. Mm-hmm. But one, the community is going to be super tight knit all Canadian drag queens definitely know each other. Like, let's be clear. There are like four places for you to to show at and you've definitely done some kind of tour together. (laughs) One thing I did always find really interesting about the original RuPaul's when they would talk about this in Untucked, because they don't normally talk about it in like the the core episodes, is like there is always, and you can kind of tell, particularly in the later seasons, that like understanding of like the winner is almost always going to be somebody who is like very tall and very thin and almost like not not that this is the appropriate phrase but like passing to a certain extent like they're often someone who is very conventionally attractive and like their transformation is always that kind of thing we were like oh damn and it's not usually some of the funnier queens that maybe are like a little bit bigger or they're short or they're usually pretty like diverse and they, they talk about or like you can sometimes see that coming through where like I think a lot of seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race have had that kind of divide where like there's the queens that are very very good at the lip syncing and the dancing and the aerobatics and like the amazing costuming and then there's the other half and there's the queens that like their lip syncing is good because it's fucking hilarious and like the comedy is on point but I find and at least it comes to some of the seasons that I've watched they just have a tendency to leave so much earlier than I want them to because they've had a horrible look mm-hmm. and so I, I haven't seen the UK one but I bet that, so that for the be- UK one I will say uh, not to like spoil anything but like the people that make it further obviously look the best because <laughs> you kind of have to um but there is one particular queen who I was very happy about um who made it like pretty much close to the end who is not a traditional look never tries to be traditional about it isn't like 
it's almost like watching your grandma on the runway, like a little bit, <laughs> is how I would describe it. And they all acknowledge that that's this person's style, but you're just like, I kind Was it like how I like to wear grandma dresses to my knees? But like, imagine a hundred times that. Like, right. mm-hmm. it, it's, there was like a moment where they all had to dress as the queen in some version <laughs> of the queen. And <laughs> she looked exactly like the queen. <laughs> It was that's like, amazing there was no interpretation she was the queen <laughs> and it was just so funny that you're just like i like i love that you've made it all the way like further and further than i thought you would versus like some that looked a lot better than her in their look but like they just like their personality wasn't there maybe um okay so my rating for rupaul's drag race uk is Nine bag of chips out of ten untucks. All right. So, as we've said, I've been trying to decide this entire time if I was going to go movie or book. I think I've landed on the movie. Um, I think I'll talk about the book at some other time, but I am very excited to talk about this movie because I watched it, I think about a year ago. It came out in 2018, but I literally watched it yesterday because I was just in a mood. And I remembered how much I genuinely enjoyed this horror movie. And so the movie that we are going to be talking that I'm going to talk about today is Ready or Not. So the reason I was asking about I was we were talking earlier about like does Ready or Not counter this is because it's really it's not a competition in the sense of there's a bunch of people competing for something. It more plays around the idea of a board game. So the storyline behind Ready or Not is that the main character is Grace. Um, she grew up in like a foster home, um, and the day that the movie starts, she's about to get married to um, I think Alex is his name. And he is from a very, very rich, old family uh, money kind of house. And like, I can't remember who plays him, but it's someone meaningless. It doesn't matter. And his whole family is there. And then the kind of storyline that they're basically telling you is that she has no family. So like, no one is at this wedding for her, essentially. It's literally just her. And then like, everyone else is him and his family. Um, And what's super important that I want to get off the, uh, get off now, Seth from the OC is his brother, Daniel, and, like, his character is the best. I'll explain why later, but, like, just know now that he's in it because, like, he absolutely makes that movie. So they're getting married. It's their wedding day, and there's clearly, like, a big secret that nobody is talking about, but the only thing you know is that this family has a disgusting amount of money. They're very traditional. Most of the people in the family don't like her, particularly because, like, the vibe that they give off is that they don't like her because she's like an orphan and she's poor so they think that she's only marrying him for the money um so that's the the tone of everything that they're doing and all of their money came because they have like a board game empire essentially like years and years ago their grandfather invented the concept of like a bunch of clue style board games and so now they have all this money and the family is very into games and very into tradition so they're get they get married at the fan their like fancy estate. The entire family is staying at the estate. So her wedding night is being spent in this fancy house surrounded by her husband's family. And at like midnight, she, she's still in her wedding dress. She's like ready to bone down. She's like, "Our wedding night starts now. Let's do this." And he see and like her husband seems like so shady and so off putting for some reason. She's like, "What the fuck is going on?" At midnight her mother-in-law like bursts in and she's like, it's time to play a game. Um, And this girl, what I really appreciate with the actor too, she has no idea what's going on. She literally just thinks it's like crazy in-laws. She's like, all right, what the fuck, whatever. 
goes with them. They have this big round games table. They're all still in what they were wearing for the wedding. So it's like the father-in-law, the mother-in-law, the brother, sister, and their family as well. And you find out that the tradition that they have in their family, because they're so into board games, is that on every person's wedding night, um, they use this stupid, like, fake magic trick box to pick a game that you're going to play. And that game, like, you have to play that game for the night. And that is, like, your introduction to the family is these board games. Well, because it's a horror movie, she pulls hide and seek. And the core concept of what's going on is the family is going to hunt her. Yeah, the general idea at first is like, oh, it could be chess. It could be a game of cards and everything would be fine and she would be totally all right. But if it comes out as hide and seek, they are fully about to hunt her. They play a record with a creepy hide and seek song and like, they're like, go, but they don't tell her that they're going to hunt her. She just thinks that they're playing hide and seek and she just has crazy in-laws and she's like a little buzz from a wedding and she has no idea what's going on. And they're like strapping themselves in with guns and shits because- they have, they explain the whole thing in the movie, and I don't want to get too much into the, like, lore of why they're all doing this, but they believe in tradition, and they believe that if they card the, the new bride or husband pulls as hide-and-seek, that person must be hunted, and that person must be killed so that they win the game. And so the rest of the horror movie is her trying to get away from this family and her husband having mixed feelings of like, I don't want to do this. I love her. I don't think we should. And like going like, does he help or does he not? (laughs) Seth from the OC, Adam Brody, his character is like an absolute alcoholic because he's so horrified by everything that their family does. But like, he's also fucking hilarious so even though all this horrible shit is going on, he spends the whole time in the background with a drink, just, like, making jokes. But, like, the comedy of it all works. The aesthetic of this movie is this, like, beautiful, like, gothic clue. Like, she walks around Sign in me up. Dress. Oh, her wedding dress is, like, pretty gorgeous. But obviously it's a horror movie, so it gets all fucked up throughout the thing. But it still looks really good, even by the time she's all done. Like, it's just a really great horror movie for being very, very funny and, like, a solid horror movie with, like, probably just the right amount of jump scares. At one point, she punches a child in the face, like, genuinely like an eight-year-old. She's like, fuck you, and she punches him in the face and he gets a black eye, and I'm like, yes. Was the kid trying to kill her? So this is, like, the whole family, like, the extended family. Everybody's trying to kill her. The whole family. The, The way that this family believes is... Yeah, their concern is, like, if they don't kill her, they've lost. They'll they'll die. If they lose, they die. She, at first, she's not trying to kill them. She's just trying to save herself. But the way that this family sees this game, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to get too much into, like, the lore of why that they feel this way, but basically, they, they consider that their grandfather made, like, a deal with the devil, essentially. And part of that payment is that if the card ever says hide and seek, they have to kill the new bride or groom and sacrifice them to the for devil like, in order for payment for the, the like, deal that he did years ago. Is there, like, a time limit on when they can hunt Dawn. Her? Okay. Dawn. Dawn. So once Dawn hits, like, once it's daylight, they've lost. And so it's, it's that thing where the whole, it's not the whole family. Like, the kids aren't actively involved. Is the like, husband trying to kill her? 
well, that's the conflict of the movie. Mm. Because he doesn't want her to die. But also, he's a piece of shit because he doesn't tell her beforehand any of this. And, like, the idea would be that if she had pulled any other card, there wouldn't be a movie. But also, she would have been fine. But, like, at some point, he would have had to explain to her, hey, FYI, now that you've married into this family, you might have to kill someone one day if any of them, like, if anyone ever gets married to somebody else. Like, it's just absolutely wild. But genuinely what a good movie i think it's like a like you could consider it a competition base because ultimately at the end of the day one of them has to win either she's gonna win and she's gonna live and something's gonna happen to the I other classify one. this as a competition yeah i mean because they are all they are all actively trying to kill her and the, again the the most interesting stuff comes with um adam brody's character i think his name is daniel so we're like, instead it and I won't. I won't. I won't tell you anything. I think you should just. I'm, watch it. I'm interested in like what would have happened if she had picked another game. Like if they had to play chess, they would just Settlers of Catan. <laughs> just so what's up? So they I, they address this like a little bit in the movie because there are two other siblings and both siblings have gotten married, and like one of the siblings said, "Oh, my game was chess," and the other one, it was literally like it was like gin rubby or something like that. And so I believe the general idea is if you pull anything other than hide and seek. You're ju- you just play the game and you live, you have like a normal day, but then at some point someone has to tell you, and presumably before you gotten married, someone tells you, hey, you might pull this one card and we might have to do something really elaborate and you might have to kill someone one day. But like the family is so rich that one of the people that married into the family was like, no, I'm fine with that. She was like, I love this character so much because she was like, um, you didn't grow up poor. I did. You're allowed to have moral issues about this. I'm not about to. I will absolutely kill this fucking blonde girl. I like she is horrible but I loved her um it's purely just if it says hide and seek and so like the beginning of the movie shows the last time someone pulled hide and seek and what happened with with him so it only happens once every so often and I think the general idea that they believe is like the the devil has chosen this particular character is Adam married in this yes his Mm. his wife is the one that's like I will kill her no problem (laughs) I mean, and she like has my nightmare because I she, hate board games. So. But she also has a beautiful dress. <laughs> yeah, it really takes advantage of the aesthetic it's going for. It is so much fun. It like I just it was like I had no expectations for it whatsoever, and I just ended up enjoying it so much in like the classic horror movie style. The way she slowly turns things around on them, I quite like. But they really have the tension ratchet up like you assume she's gonna ultimately be fine it's obviously very final girly but where they take it to there's also a couple of side characters that die and like the reactions to their death are also very funny <laughs> um in terms of reading it i think it's probably a solid like eight fake clues out of ten um dead dead valets the valets, they're that rich? Oh, girl. They're the kind of rich that two people were like, no, I'll definitely kill someone if it means I can be this rich. Two people who weren't part of the family. <laughs> and this is, what's, this, okay, family. this is what's really wild about how this guy is a fucking dick. And, like, his whole family is like, I can't believe you married this bitch and didn't fucking tell her anything. Because the general idea is, like, before everyone gets married, their spouses are like, hey... So you know how our family's super rich? There's a reason. 
our grandfather made a deal with the devil, <laughs> um, as far as we believe. And you might have to someday kill someone if somebody else in the family gets married and that person gets hide and seek. Or on our wedding night, you might pull hide and seek, in which case we might have to hunt and kill you. And two people were like, all right, sure. It's my horror movie. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it too now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Please do report back. I think all people should watch it. I think it was a really good one. It put me in a mood to watch horror movies. So I've been plowing through a couple of them since I rewatched it. That was our episode all about competition. Uh, if I think what we need to layer into this is another competition element to it. If you are listening to this right now, go on to our social media at Eats on Instagram, Twitter, uh, at EatsCast, sorry, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Um, find us and let us know which one of us did the best job or which one of these, <laughs> which the one of these one. three things did you like the best and we'll layer a competition element into that. I mean, honestly, uh, it was cheer. You? Let's be honest here. Drag race. Maybe it was ready or not, though. (laughs) Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Thinking of YouTube. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't. Make sure you rate us and you like us. And bye. Bye. But, like, Disney is so secretive of everything that goes on there. Like, the fact that technically no one is allowed to be declared dead on Disney World property, like, they're, that's a thing they're allowed to do. If somebody dies on Disney World property, they have to be taken away from paramedics and declared dead somewhere else.